Even those of you who talk about the 1%, you don't really get what's going on. You're, you're never, you're never going to meet these people. You're never going to have any sense of what it is that they control. And most people, I think, have no idea. People like Teddy Roosevelt, who are willing to say, this is a bad thing. We do not want the society that is emerging here. These are people who have a lot of influence because of the amount of money they control. If you have conversations with people who are not in this business, they have no idea what real wealth means in America. They think that having a million dollars makes you wealthy. They think that or having a salary of several hundred thousand dollars makes you wealthy. And while it's certainly true that's a vastly privileged condition compared with most people, the sheer size of those big fortunes is so far outside our normal experience that it does become invisible. You're, you're never, you're never going to meet these people. You're never going to have any sense of what it is that they control. And most people, I think, have no idea. This is, this is very strange. And it, it's kind of scary because you know, it's one thing if someone without a lot of power seems to be going off and into a rage on no good for no good reason. But these are people who have a lot of influence because of the amount of money they control. Even those of you who talk about the 1%, you don't really get what's going on. You're living in the past. You're living in the 80s. You think that Gordon Gekko is the future. And Gordon Gekko is a bad guy. He's a predator, but he's a self-made predator. We are on the road not just to a highly unequal society, but to a, a society of uh, an oligarchy, a society of inherited wealth, patrimonial capitalism. If you have a large fortune, suppose that our family has a large fortune, they can inheritors of that large fortune can live very, very well. They can live extraordinary standard of living and still put a large fraction of, that, of the income from that fortune aside and the fortune will grow faster than the economy. So the big dynastic fortunes tend to take an ever-growing share of total national wealth. So once you, when you have a situation where the returns on capital are pretty high, and the growth rate of the economy is not that high, you have a situation in which not only can people live well off inherited wealth, but they can actually pass on to the next generation even more, an even higher share. And when you have a high R, low G economy, which is what we now have, then you're talking, not, you're talking about a situation in which dynasties come increasingly to dominate the, the top of the economic spectrum, and then a tiny fraction of the population ends up very dominant. When you have a few people who are so wealthy that they can effectively buy the political system. The political system is going to tend to serve their interests. And, and that is going to reinforce this shift of income and wealth towards the top. The story is already changing and it's, it's going to change more. So we are going to probably, unless something gets better, we're going to look back nostalgically on the early 21st century when you could still at least have the pretense that the wealthy actually earned their wealth. And you know, by, by the year 2030, it'll all be inherited. Even though the ideology is democratic, even though we claim that all men are equal, in practice, not a chance. They've managed to convince a lot of people that it is uh, somehow un-American. I think mostly it's just because there's a very effective apparatus of TV and print media and uh, think tanks and so on who hammer against any suggestion of redistribution, which actually, if you look at American history, that's not at all true, but they uh, it's just been pushed very hard. As I think also in the United States, look, we have to admit that race is always lurking under almost everything in American life. And redistribution in the minds of a lot of people means taking it, taking money from people like me and giving it to people who don't look like me. And I think that is a big difference between us and Europe. Take a few percent of, of national income, take it away from that top 1% and direct it towards the bottom 20%. That's a tremendous gain in, in the quality of life for the bottom 20%. We only escaped 
from the old oligarchy for a while, thanks to really disastrous events, thanks to wars and depression, which disrupted the system. There, that's an argument you can make. On the other hand, if you are, uh, read histories of the New Deal, you know that it didn't come, it didn't spring out of nowhere. That we had a progressive movement and a lot of proto-New Deal programs building for quite a long time. There was a increasing political, philosophical readiness to take on inequality of wealth and power long before FDR moved into the White House. And so I think there are better angels of our nature, that there is this ugliness and, which can be frightening, but there is also a, a redemptive streak in here and in other places. And that, that it, you don't give up hope on this, that, that given uh, consistent argumentation, given um, events and perhaps you know as, as people become more aware of what is actually going on uh, then then there is a chance of changing things do we know that no but there's nothing in what we know now that says that you should give up hope of being able to change this even without catastrophe This is a plan that was agreed to by 179 nations. It's called the Agenda for the 21st Century. It's a totalitarian state to being developed right now all over the world. It is the inventory and control plan. Inventory and control of all land, all water, all minerals, all plants, all animals, all construction, all means of production, all food, all energy, all information, and all human beings in the world. And this is a plan that was agreed to by 179 nations back in 1992. It's a United Nations plan. It's called the Agenda for the 21st Century. And so many of us around the world think that, um, well, sustainable development, it just sounds so great. Isn't it about recycling and creative reuse and uh, and creating energy and food resources for everyone? And the answer is no, it really is not. It's about moving populations into city centers, concentrated city centers, and clearing them out of the rural areas. All systems have to be brought into harmony in order to control them all. Because when systems don't meet, when they're, when they're out of balance or not in sync with one another, they can't be controlled centrally. And the goal of Agenda 21 is one world government and total control from a central unit. Every nation that signed on to Agenda 21 has its, uh, its local Agenda 21 plan. People in the United States are completely unaware of this. If I go out and talk about this, the United States press will attacks me and calls me which is it's totally ridiculous. It is a but it's not a theory, it's a fact. The three pillars of United Nations Agenda 21 are economy, ecology, and equity, the three E's. And everyone sort of thinks that they know what that means, the idea of social equity. It must mean that, well, everyone's going to have access to clean water and clean air, and uh, no one's uh, property is going to be used as a dumping ground because they are at a poverty level. But really what social equity is about, is about impoverishing huge portions of the population and bringing down uh, develop the developed nations everything that we're looking at now is destined to collapse our economies. It's a totalitarian state to being developed right now all over the world. And what major corporations want in this development is to be able to, uh, to have move, full movement of, of, uh, of workers 
without borders or boundaries, to be able to move their goods through without regulations, and to reduce wages. And so this is the goal. So this is what you find with social equity. And of course, economy and uh, ecology is about, these are the three circles, economy, ecology, and social equity. And where they meet in the center is balance. But really that balance is a communitarian balance. So it's not balance of well-being of the people. What it is is it's a balance or corporation so that they can exploit and control and have populations in an area in tightly packed, dense areas so that they can be surveilled and managed. And this is what that balance looks like as far as the development of totalitarian state is. The mainstream media is owned by five major corporations and you're not going to get this information from the mainstream press. So you need to be your own press. You need to educate yourself. You need to get out there and educate your neighbors, your community, your real community. You need to help your children understand that they're being indoctrinated from pre-kindergarten to postgraduate school. All of us have a responsibility to ourselves and to others. This is true community to work for personal freedom and always remember that even though we work as a group, if we do work as a group, we're all individuals in those groups and we answer only to ourselves. And this is essential. It's essential as, as, as free human beings, this is what we are. We are free and we need to continue to be free. And I do believe that we will win, but we have to become aware that there is a fight and then make our friends and our neighbors and our community aware as well and work together.